diversity, um, something that in our nation we certainly have and how we should respond to that. I love food. How many of you can agree that you love food? I didn't see anyone leave for donuts, so thank you. Either that means you don't want donuts or you actually want to hear me speak. That's encouraging to me, so thank you so much. But I love food, and I kind of live by this motto because I'm not a picky eater. I live by the idea that I will try anything once. Does anyone else live by that motto? A few of you? A lot of, a lot of you raised your hand. I actually embrace it. I enjoy trying things. Um, I enjoy cheeseburgers, fries, milkshakes. But if I have an option to maybe choose an exotic dish from the Philippines, I'm going exotic dish all the way. Anyone else like that? Okay. When I was in the Philippines this past summer, we got to try a few new things. One of them I absolutely loved. It was at my brother-in-law's wedding, and we're part of the reception now, and everyone's kind of hanging out. We're about to have some speeches, and I see these four guys walk in. And they walk in, and on their shoulders, they're carrying this huge pig. It was huge, absolutely huge, head, everything. They roasted it for hours, and part of their customs was that they would carry it in. I'm going to try to say it right. My wife's going to be like, you didn't say it right. I think it's called letzon, something like that. You can look it up, and it was, she's shaking her head at me. Thanks, babe. And it was amazing. They would bring it in, and I got my phone out right away because they would get their butcher's knife, and a guy just stood there and chop, 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 chop. And he said, I can save the ears for you. That's a a really delicate part of the pig and things like that. And I absolutely loved it. I also tried something else that I absolutely hated. And some of the guys in the back have tried it as well as some of the teens. It's called balut. Does anyone know what balut is? Balut is like a duck egg. It is a duck egg that is about to hatch, okay? And uh, the whole experience is kind of what's exciting about it. Because my brother-in-law, it's around midnight and we're on the, we walk the streets, and we find this little Filipino guy with this white cooler. You know the styrofoam ones that you put your bait in before you go fishing? And on it, it says balut with a sharpie, and it said the price. And it's at midnight, and it's dark out. They say you eat it when it's dark, so you don't have to look at it. And it smelt bad. It's a duck egg that is about to really hatch. And so you see beaks, you see the forming of the duck, the claws, the feet. It smelt bad, it tasted bad, but I enjoy culture. Uh, Throughout my teenage years and my entire life, I've been able to experience a lot. I lived in Mexico. Um, During college, I lived in the Los Angeles, California area, which if you've been there, it's a melting pot of all kinds of ethnicities and cultures and people groups. Um, I lived in, or I'm sorry, I got to visit the Canary Islands on that trip. I got stuck in Madrid, Spain for two days, so I got to experience their culture. I mentioned the Philippines on that trip. We were in Japan, we were in Korea. So I've got to see a lot. Not only that, but I lived in this really strange country called Alabama. Has anyone ever been there? Yeah, it's strange, Pastor, I'm sorry. I I mean, for for a, a nation like that to develop a man like Pastor Dave, it's an odd place, okay? And I've been there and I've got to experience all of this. I had an opportunity to embrace their culture, try various dishes. I absolutely loved all the food, but even more than the food, I absolutely loved the experience. I loved the culture. I loved the diversity. I loved the people. I enjoyed learning of what normal practices they have and how they do things, what their customs were, and what their culture is producing. Simply put, I personally love diversity. 
not just diversity in culture and ethnicities, but I love diversity in age. I get to do something that I love. I am a youth pastor, and I believe that I get to pastor the best group of teenagers. Can I get like a clap or something, teenagers? You guys are awesome. I get to hang out with these guys all the time. I get to pastor them. I enjoy what I do. But if you've ever been around teenagers, they're annoying. I love them. <laughs> I love you guys, but they're annoying. Sometimes I get tired of the one-sided conversations. It's like I'm asking them probing questions and they can't say anything. And then the other side is they talk nonstop. So it's one-sided either way. Can anyone agree with me that teenagers can kind of be frustrating that way? So I enjoy hanging out with people that are in different ages. Some of the people that mentor me and hold me accountable and I hang out with the most are people, and this kind of seems a little old to me, I'll reach there one day, but like 40s, 50s, okay? They push me, they've been where I am, and they're able to push me in life, and I enjoy hanging out with them. One of my favorite things of our ministry here that I have a part in is Young at Heart. Young at Heart, the third Thursday of every month, how we get to serve, sit down, hang out with our experienced crew, okay, we'll call them experienced. On Friday mornings, I've been um, I try once a month or so to go get breakfast. I told you I love food. So across the street, I'm going to put a little plug in, $5 across the street Friday mornings at the Methodist Church. You can get breakfast. It's all you can eat, um, omelet, sausage, bacon, whatever you want. I see Dave McCauley shaking his head. He's getting hungry. I get to hang out with these guys. And I enjoy talking to them and learning about their life experiences. They tell me how they were able to take their lady out on dates for 80 cents and buy a cheeseburger and watch a movie. That's cool. I enjoy hearing about that. They also say whatever they want to say. Like, I can't wait to reach that pinnacle of life where I can just say what I want to say and I don't even care. I love that. Diversity. I love hanging out with all different age groups. It's a lot, it's a lot of fun. It's a learning experience. I enjoy asking questions like, how, how have you made it to 50 years of marriage? And that's so cool that we often have anniversary celebrations and things like that. But oftentimes they, they just simply tell me they kept God first and they stayed faithful to him and he helped them through the hard times. And it's neat to hear um, maybe the struggles they went through and how God pushed them through because I'm four years in and my wife has threatened to kill me numerous times. And so it's very encouraging to me. I love diversity, but more importantly than me loving diversity, I believe that God loves diversity. In fact, the first ever statement of equality was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was inspired by God. Let's go to Galatians, Galatians chapter 3. In the history of mankind, this would be the first written statement of equality. Galatians chapter 3, and we'll read verse 28. Verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. God loves diversity. However, there is an issue at hand. And the issue is that Satan in our society wants to take our diversity and divide us. Whereas God wants to use our diversity and unite us. Understand that diversity isn't just limited to multiple cultures, ethnicities, ages, but applies to a wide range of characteristics such as social classes, personalities, backgrounds, and upbringings. 
I'm afraid that if we all take a moment and search our hearts and focus on past interactions with people, that we would all have to admit that there's been moments in our lives where we've looked down upon someone else because of where they came from, the way that they look, maybe the color of their skin, their age. And this is an issue that is an issue that's relevant and prevalent in our culture today. I want to challenge your thinking with this idea tonight. A healthy church is a diverse church. As society does its best to divide us, Christians must ask, what does God say regarding this? And not only that, but how did Jesus Christ respond to this with his life on earth? This morning, Pastor Tony kind of went into who Jesus Christ was, 100% man, 100% God. Stephanie McCord's not in here, but she loves this. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus Christ being God. And simply put, to maybe bring it down to a level that teens understood, we coined the phrase that Jesus Christ is as if God in the bod. Okay, you can write that down. It's really deep. But it's God in the body. Okay, 100% man, 100% God. So how did God, 33 years on earth, how did Jesus Christ respond to this? How did Jesus Christ deal with different people? I think about the team that he handpicked, the men that he would devote his time to, the close circle of friends that he would confide in, and ultimately the men that he would rely on to launch his church. Think about these people with me. I think of Peter, James, and John, three uneducated, smelly, probably living paycheck to paycheck fishermen that Jesus wanted on his team. Think about Luke, a doctor who obviously had to be educated, well compensated. The difference in just these four men is huge. How about Matthew, a tax collector? Thomas, a man who always struggled with doubt and his faith in Christ. This one's tough. Judas, a man that Jesus couldn't trust. He knew exactly that Judas would betray him, yet Jesus chose to invest in him. So Jesus built a very diverse team, and he also reached out to everyone. I'm going to give you some passages of scripture with some examples. Feel free to write it down. Jesus didn't target only the wealthy social class, but he did reach out to the rich man in Mark chapter 10. Jesus didn't only care for the poor, but he did commend the woman who gave all that she had when she placed her two mites in the offering in Luke chapter 21. Jesus didn't only reach out to those who were considered unreachable, but he did change the life of the maniac of Gadara in Luke chapter 8. If you're thankful for Jesus Christ changing your life, can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Thank you. Jesus didn't only love his people and his race, as we see in John chapter 4, as Jesus went out of his way to go through Samaria and share the living water with a woman that had a poor reputation and was a Samaritan. One that was looked down upon because she was not full-blooded Jew. Jesus not only showed attention to adults, but many times showed love towards children as he took care of them and suffered the children to come to him. And my favorite is that Jesus loved short people. It's true. I have scripture to back it up. Luke chapter 19, Jesus shows love to Zacharias, or Zacchaeus, I'm sorry, When he said, get out of the tree, man, I'm coming to hang out with you today. Jesus loved people, all shapes, sizes, ages, and colors. Jesus not only formed a diverse team, but he reached out to a variety of different people. The example that Jesus set is clear, 
And the words that he spoke are easy to interpret. Love your neighbor because all are equal. But oftentimes we struggle with this very clear teaching because of this sin called pride. We struggle with the idea that we are different and we allow the differences to divide rather than unite. So the goal for us as a church is to be united in diversity. I've kind of laid kind of the foundation for us now. We understand that God says to love your neighbor as yourselves. Um, Galatians, we looked at every man is equal in Christ, that it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, we are equal. But let's look at three points that you could write down tonight that will simply remind us, although we're different, we have so much in common. Yes, we are different people, but we have the same purpose. We're different characters, but we have the same characteristics. We have different cultures, but we have the same creator. We have different skin, but we have the same savior. We are a different race, but we're shown the same grace. We have all different ages, but we have the same faith. And we might use different methods, but we share the same message. So here's three quick reminders that should humble us and help shrink our pride because we are different, but yet we have so much in common. Number one, we are different, but we have the same creator. We have the same creator. It's simple as going back to the beginning, literally. God in Genesis chapter one created everything. In Genesis chapter two, he looked at it and saw that it wasn't right and he decided to create man. He formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and made one of the best decisions ever as he took the rib out of Adam and created Eve, woman. How many of you men, I'm setting you up for success right now. You already jumped on it. So please, please jump on the train. How many of you men have a good woman in your life tonight? Can I get an amen? amen? There we go. Some of you men didn't even raise your hand and your wife's like looking at you right now. Okay, I, I tried to help you get you some brownie points. So God created man and then created woman. The same God that created you, created me, created everyone out of the dust of the ground. God breathed life into Adam and Eve and with every single human who has lived, who is living, and who will live has been given the same amount of time, same amount of thought, the same amount of love, the same amount of effort to create. We're all created equal. Did you ever notice the special ingredient that God used to create man? Someone shouted out to me. What was the ingredient? Not that God needed it, but he chose to use something. Dirt, Dirt. absolutely. I, I find it kind of interesting. God created man, and he breathed his life into man, and we are his prized possession, if you will, his prized creation. We, he made us in his image. The deer can't say that. Dogs can't say that. Human can but he chose to create his prized creation out of dirt. He could have chose gold or silver, maybe a beautiful rose, but he chose dirt. I believe he did that as a reminder to help us to stay humble, as a reminder that we come from nothing, that we're all created equal, we're all created the same, and it's a constant reminder of that. We can stay humble and we can stay unified because we have the same creator. Number two, we are different, but we have the same Christ. Yes, it's true that we're created from the dust of the ground, from dirt, but it's just a symbol of us before Christ. 
We can't change that symbol ourselves because our works, our works are as filthy rags. But Christ didn't want to leave us that way and in that state, so he died for all. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. And we'll just see a reminder that Christ did, in fact, die for all. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. And that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We sing it in Sunday school, junior church, on the bus, red and yellow, black and white. The rich, the poor, the tall, the short, the Jew, the Greek, the Samaritan, the American, the non-American, the introvert, the extrovert, Jesus died for all, for the whole world, and he's offered his free gift of salvation to us all. None of us can ever earn heaven, but we have the same equal opportunity to accept Christ and receive heaven. We have the same creator, we have the same Christ, and lastly, number three, we have the same commission. We are different, but we have the same commission. If the other two characteristics don't unify us, then the last one has got to draw us together. Revelations chapter 4, and let's look at verse 11. Revelations chapter 4, verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Every single person has been created for one reason, and that's God's pleasure. We were created to honor him, to praise him, to serve him, to love him, to obey him, to praise him, to please him. Upon accepting Christ, we should be unified because we should all have the same purpose. We should all have the same drive, the same motivation. We have been commissioned to fulfill the same mission. With that, though, obviously not everyone has accepted Christ. Not everyone understands the purpose. Not everyone has realized that we have the same creator. Not everyone has began a relationship with the same Christ. So not everyone understands the same commission. And that's where the great commission comes in. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. I'm sure a verse that maybe many of you can quote. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to preach the gospel to the whole world, teach all nations, discipling them. That's our mission as a Christian. A very convicting thought that I had just the other day. I was confronted with this realization, Holy Spirit conviction if you would. It was actually when the missionary was here last week, um, Tate going to Nicaragua. Um, As I was just kind of hearing him speak and thinking about where we're at here in Columbus, our state, our city, Um, I I had this thought that as a church, many times we'll have missionaries come in and they'll present their calling to a specific nation and we'll encourage them, we'll pray for them, and a lot of times, thankfully, we're able to support them so that they can go to their field. But how many times in our own state, in our own city, do we have individuals that maybe live in our city, in our state, and they're different than us. And we think it's really exciting and really cool for a missionary to give their whole life and go to that people group. But what if God brings that people group to you? 
What if God puts them next to you and they're your neighbor? Maybe they wear something on their head, makes them look different, scares you a little bit. Maybe you think you can't trust them. That brings me back to the thought about Judas. And Judas couldn't be trusted. Jesus Christ knew he was going to cause harm. There's a difference between foolishness in these situations, but it really convicted me because you know where we are as a city, as a state, as a country. And there's people here that they're different than us. And how hypocritical would it be for us to get totally behind a missionary and say go reach that people group and learn their language and put yourself in their culture and then God allows those same people to be here and then we don't even think twice about maybe even putting a track on their door maybe just inviting them to church showing them the love of Christ It's a convicting thought. It's one that would be hard to put into practice, but it's one that is part of our great commission that we have as Christians. A healthy church is a diverse church. Sometimes pride gets in the way. It happens. But focus on what we have in common. And I know that as a church, we'll be better for it. I love that we have here at Fellowship a unique family, a body of Christ that is diverse. I love that I can talk to different age groups, different cultures, ethnicities. I love that we have that here. Let's not lose it. Let's continue to show the love of Christ to others because they may seem different, but we have so much in common.